the Stick 'Em Up podcast. Brundy, what's been uh, what's been going on in the NHL in the last week? Uh, one of our one of our more busier weeks. Uh, we we actually got a lot here um, to kind of go through. Some some kind of bigger bigger stories. Uh, got some milestones. So uh, we we can. What do you want to do? You want to work work top top to bottom or jump all over the place? What what are we feeling? Do you want to lump uh, all of the milestones together? Yeah, that might be the best way to do it. Cat. Um. I guess pick pick whichever one you want to go with first, and we'll dive into that one. Whichever one you're feeling. Um. Yeah. So, uh, let's uh let's do a couple of the lightning ones together, I suppose, since there's a few of those. Um. Earlier this week, Nikita Kucherov hits uh 800 career points. Uh. Just tonight, he hit 500 career assists. So that was uh, that was pretty stellar. Uh, Steven Stamkos uh, earlier in this week tied and then ended up passing uh, just tonight Wayne Gretzky in power play, career power play goals at 204. Uh, he is now tied with Joe Sakic, uh just above Gretzky at 205. Which is pretty pretty elite company to be in. Yeah, absolutely. They're, I believe they're tied for, I think it was 17th all time, something like that, somewhere in the okay. mid-teens. Um, they're at uh, 204, 205, and uh, Ovechkin is number one on that list, obviously, and I believe he's at uh, like 305. So 100, uh, 100 more is the top of the list. So they're, uh, they're pretty close to that... Uh, very top of the list there. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty impressive for for Stammer. And I think as long as I mean it it sounds like he's not getting traded out out of Tampa. Um, you know, but I think if he ends up re-signing yeah. and sticking around there, I think he can definitely uh you know prob probably will still average about I'd say on average, you know, fifteen or or so for the next uh yeah five years or something so he, he's definitely gonna gonna get up there in the list by the time his uh, his career is all said and done yeah and any it's so funny anytime stamkos gets close to a another big milestone for goals uh it he doesn't play any differently but kucherov absolutely does he is looking for stamkos on the ice 24 7 as soon as soon as any of the guys he plays with are close to a milestone He's just looking to get the puck on their stick. So uh, if if they stay on the same power play together, I could definitely see him, you know, if he sticks around at least hitting 250 when it's all said and done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a bit of an unsung guy, guy you don't hear his name thrown around too much, but Adam Henrique reached 500 career points earlier this week. Uh, he oh. spent most of his career with the Devils. He's with the Ducks right now, I believe. Austin Matthews just got a hat trick. Oh my god! It sounds like a Leafs home game. Yeah, the amount of hats on the ice is actually kind of nuts. Yep, I uh, one <laughs> of uh, one of my buddies in one of our group chats was saying that he uh, he's at the game and it's like insane how many toronto fans are there and like 
Yeah, whenever you're going to any game that involves an original six team, they they just flock to those games. There's so many original six fans that yeah. it's it's absolutely crazy. Sorry to Adam Henrique there. I kind of overshadowed him once again. Hey, he re- he's got 500 career points. I don't think he Yeah, he does. Um, also with that action, I'm just looking at it. That's insane. Matthews now has 37 goals through 42 games this season. Like, yeah. that's... That's just, like, absurd. And the fact that it's also, like, 37 goals and 17 assists... Like, he's got 20 more goals and assists. Like, that's just, that's he, absurd. Yeah, he is. He, he's making it look like he could hit 70. And, like, there's no reason to believe he can't with what he's doing right now. Yeah, and if he hits 70, like, you know, we, we haven't talked about it a bit earlier. Tough for Kucherov, tough for McKinnon. Like, Matthews is unanimously winning uh, the heart if he, if he actually hits the 70 mark. Which, yeah, I mean, probably. I didn't think, you know, we, I think we, I don't remember when we were talking about, we were talking about it at some point and people were talking about McDavid, you know, hitting 70 goals in a season. I was like, no, like, you know, I just, it just, it's so hard in an 82 game season to actually get there. But Matthews is legitimately actually uh, making a very strong case for it. So that's going to be very, um, that's going to be absurd if we actually see a player um, manage to score 70 in a single season. Yeah, and I think a big reason that he definitely could is that um, I think it's harder for some of the guys who are very consistent. They score every night or every other night. Matthew scores a lot of goals in bunches. Like, how many hat tricks yeah. does he have this year? He's probably got three or four. Like, he, Yeah, I think, he's, I think he's got three. I think this is his third now. Yeah, all it all it takes is around game 60 he scores two hat tricks in a row he scores four goals and then two goals the next game and like it's he right there that's a like six goals in two games and that's that just boosts the numbers so much like it uh when you're capable of almost at will just like scoring three goals a game uh it's it's hard to keep a guy like that off the score sheet yeah, it really is. Uh, so that's actually his third hat trick. Or four, sorry. I forgot he had two um, back-to-back in the first two games of the season. So he's got four yeah. hat tricks on the season, and he's got eight two-goal games. Which is, like, just that's, nuts. That's like, yeah, when third. he's scoring, he's he's scoring in bunches. and We, like, just like got he had a, to the halfway point of the season. Like, those sound like end-of-the-year Ovechkin stats. Yeah, like there was a stretch um, throughout December where, and this was just going games in order. Boston had two goals, and then next game, Ottawa, none. Nashville, two. Islanders, one. Rangers, then Columbus, then Rangers again had two in all of those. Buffalo, uh, he had one. Then Columbus, he had two. Like, just in December alone, he was just scoring at will. Like, that's... That's that's so impressive the the way he's been playing this season. Yeah, and like it's it, it's weird to say that it might be early to say it, not even because of him, but because of where the league is. But the league's league scoring, and we've actually gone over this before on the podcast, how much it's gone up in the past couple years and over the last decade. 
if scoring keeps going up, we might for the first time in 30 years, it might be possible to see somebody challenge for what Gresky has called his most difficult record to break. And that's hitting 50 goals in his first, what was it? 38 games. Like, yeah, I don't, th I don't think we'll ever see that one it's, get touched. It, I, I think that it. one's probably will net will never will be like, because I mean, if you think about it, Matthews is at, at 37, he's been playing lights out and that's through 42 games now. Yeah, so he's still so under a things, goal per game. And you have to score yeah. 12 more uh, than games played by 38. So it's definitely tough. Yeah, but to realistically they, uh, beat If they can put another person on that top line to really compliment him and Marner, and if scoring keeps going up in the league, it's not near as impossible as it's looked in the past. Yeah, I I, th I think it's still I I think that's one that I think will just never get touched. And the only way if is probably you probably have to score in every single of those thirty eight games. And if you don't, you probably need I would say at least six or seven hat tricks at the bare minimum to even make a yeah somewhat case for it. Um, but I mean, I mean, it, it's definitely not out of the question, though. I, I'll say that. But do I think it'll ever get broken? Like, no. Um, yeah, you would almost need yeah, the some way luck. Been going, you though. need a decent amount of luck with that. If for nothing else, the uh, the scheduling, you know, uh, if yeah. you get uh, a team like Columbus or something, uh, three out of those 38 games or something. And also like, wow. you, you know, one they're running the backup goalie or they're a goalie's injured or something like. It, or Columbus. Uh, it would be really tough. But, Poor uh, Columbus. They're the first one that came Shit. to mind because uh, I think he scored a hat trick early in the year on them. And also they're in the same division. Columbus just getting dogged right now. That's tough. They, no, but I, I do get, I do get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, all right, enough about the Leafs. Now we've given them their, their moment here. Um, what was the other one? I think we had one more milestone, didn't we? Uh, Mitch two? Marner is the fastest Maple Leaf to 600 oh, points. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, honestly, um, but you read the next one off. I'm going to check because I, I feel like Matthews is probably going to actually beat that. Like, I feel uh, like Marner isn't going to hold that record for that long. Yeah, I can't remember if he was because I remember they were close. I don't remember well, if Matthews was just past him uh for games played or just under him but um, uh, i remember they were close um but as well we had one more uh milestone for players careers and that's brad marchand got to career point number 900 so uh good for him he's nine, really 900 for the rat and i mean you know it's it's funny to call him that but 900 points like you don't just come upon that so Marner hit 600 in 547 games. Matthews right now after his, he's got four points on the game. He's at 596, only four away in 522 games. So yeah, give it half a week. By, by the end of next week for sure, uh, Matthews will have now taken that record from Mitch Marner. So yeah. Marner can he can enjoy it while he's while he's got it for a bit, but it's surprising how many Leafs records are like being broken now and seeing like 
like what, what's what's Mitch Marner now? Like he's a uh, is he top like six all time in points for the Leafs or something? Would not surprise oh. me in the least. They have had a shocking, uh, shockingly few amount of superstars and like Hall of Fame level talents on their team, considering they're a uh, they're an original six team. Them and the He's- Rangers really haven't had near as many as you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. He's seventh right now. And Matthews is now one away from uh, tying the eight spot and two away from moving into eight. Like that's crazy for how long this franchise has been around the fact that like, they don't, they don't even have a guy who scored a thousand points um, as a member of the yeah. Maple Leafs. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's wild. And like, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, Matthews is the best Maple Leaf of all time right now. Yeah. Not even like when his career, his uh, four year contract extension ends. Like I'd say right now, that's probably true. Like there's an argument for a couple of guys in there, but uh, the fact that it's such a close argument is, is crazy for such a storied franchise. Yeah. Like Matthews, by the time he like, Give it by probably not the end of next season, but like halfway through the following season, he'll be the the number one all time leader in in goals. And then that's just going to continue yeah. to grow. Like he's probably going to end his career with. Actually, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what number it's you hard, can go it's with. It's so hard him. to hazard a guess because if if he's healthy and if he plays enough games, he might be the first player to hit a thousand. But. That's also an insane thing to say, considering nobody's hit 900. Uh, But I definitely think if he's healthy, he'll hit at least 600, probably 700. Yeah, I I love doing these just to be like, oh, you know, just to kind of give a a general reference. So Matt Sundin is the all-time leader in goals with 420. 420. Nice. Um, If the, the current pace Austin Matthews is on... If he plays the same amount of games that Matt Sundin played, which is 981, Matthews is on pace to have 633 goals. So 213 more. Which is and like 633 absurd. before he hits a thousand. That's crazy. Yeah. Like it, it, it will he maintain on that pace? Like, probably not. And obviously, you know. There's there's gonna be injuries and that can play a a, a role in and stuff and whatnot, but like the pace he's on right now is is just insane. Yeah, not to mention it's not like he's been healthy his whole career. Not only has he had injuries, he's had wrist injuries. That's that's got to be one of the worst injuries you could get as a guy scoring goals for a living. So yeah, getting through that too is absolutely insane. Yeah. All right, now now we're done with with the Leafs, I think. Hopefully. Hopefully. We've um, gassed them up enough. We've got a couple other uh, records. we got a couple franchise records. Uh, we got uh, the Seattle Kraken set a franchise record with, I believe, at the time we wrote down nine wins in a row. I believe it ended at nine. It might have got to ten. Um, uh, I'll double check. Yeah. And uh, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, we have written down that they set a franchise record. They set the franchise record with nine wins in a row. 
so they're currently at 11 in a row now as of no they right set it now. with with 10 10 it was, was the 10? record yeah so before they had only reached nine like seattle the seattle kraken franchise run won nine games in a row uh before the edmonton oilers did or yeah like that's that's nuts dude the gretzky's oilers never never went 10 and 0 like you'd expect somewhere nope. in their history they went fucking 18 and 0 right like the, they have so yeah. many absurd records it's crazy that this is the franchise record for wins in a row yeah and they're they're currently at 11 right now and they're up on Seattle right now so they're they're pushing for for 12 like I mean, we we talked about them beginning of the year and their their slow start and like the way they've been playing lately is they're they're a scary team again. We're seeing that team that we thought we yeah. were gonna uh, we're gonna see and and at one point we we were even talking about how what was it the Oilers were I think eighteen back of the Kings, yeah, and now it's sitting if Edmonton holds on to beat. Uh, Seattle tonight, they'll have the same amount of games played as LA with 41 and Edmonton will be ahead of them. Yeah. Which LA is, is went just on like a huge nuts. skid and Edmonton has just been on fire. Like, this is exactly what I was talking about. I mean, probably a month and a half, two months ago, but uh, I know there was one episode of the podcast where you were saying that it's probably too late to be able to come back. And I remember saying that if McDavid and the boys just turn it on, they could just go on a run and get into the playoffs. And obviously I did not expect uh, the absolute implosion over in LA. They've been playing abysmal hockey lately, but uh, yeah. So my, my thing was the Oilers. Was it like, great? Yeah. My thing was that they, they, they could obviously go on a heater. Like we know what, what that team was capable of. The thing was, is, is I didn't expect a team like LA to completely fall off a cliff. Yeah. I yeah, didn't expect they've... the LA Kings to lose eight or nine in a row or something because then with Edmonton winning all those immediately right there, that closes the gap in that, that nine game span. Yeah. Um, but with the Kings, man, I mean, like their, their biggest problem is they got just absolutely bent over and fleeced by, by Winnipeg. Um, Winnipeg yeah. completely just ruined them. And that's, that's going to be an issue now that, that LA is going to have to deal with for the next next eight years now, and that's going to be a uh, and I, like I don't even care if Dubois figures his shit out. What uh, what Winnipeg has now is just like Velarde alone is is ten times the player that Dubois, is. and then you add an Iafalo, who's a great depth, you know, third liner and a beast in the playoffs, and then you got Kupari, still a young player that could take off, like. Man, that's it's just t- it's tough for tough for the Kings. They got they yeah. got a lot of uh, issues they got to figure out if they really want to. And not only that, I mean, you know, they they put all their money into you know hoping that uh, Jordan Spence would really take off this year, and that Brant Clark was ready. So they decided to move on from Sean Dursey. Uh, Brant Clark's kind of, I mean, he's still he's still young, so not to bash him or anything, but like he's you know, only come up recently to join the Kings. He's struggled in his games that he's played. Jordan Spence isn't doing too much. He's got 13 uh, assists, no goals in 37 games. And Sean Dursey on the Coyotes has 
seven goals, 18 assists for 25 points in 36 games. Uh, he has just been like a stud. He has been lights out for them. I would not be shocked if, you know, when he needs a new contract, he's getting a, a seven year deal or something. I think he's going to be a huge part of that Coyotes team for, uh, for the near future. So, you know, kind of a flip. We were kind of hyping up the the Kings and bashing on the Oilers. And now it's we're hyping up the Oilers and we're really starting to question uh like at the rate the Kings are going, do they even make the playoffs now? Like I know they're in a in a spot, but I mean, if they keep losing games at the rate they are, they're not. And oh so many of them have been multiple goal uh comeback losses. Yeah. Like in their last 10 games, I think it's like six of them. They've lost in the third period when they're up by two goals or more. And they lose both those goals and then they go down and lose the game. Like, and they're not, these are all happening in regulation. That's not even in overtime. Like they're getting so few points right now. It's, it's absolutely astounding. So hopefully yeah. they can uh, figure their shit out and uh, give Edmonton a bit of a run towards the end of the season here. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be kind of an interesting battle because again, I I still think as mu- as well as the Oilers have been playing, I think the way the Canucks have been playing, I doubt Edmonton catches Vancouver. Um, you know, no, even though if Edmonton wins, so. it's only it's only eleven points, but the Canucks have been balling out. Um, like it's you know, but I think Edmonton's kind of now that they're right now that they're in a playoff spot, I don't see them falling out of it again. I think they're going to, now that they're in, they're locked in and they're not, they're not falling back out of it um, throughout the remainder of the season. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, also, while we're on the Oilers, uh, McDavid passed uh, Glenn Anderson for fourth most points in uh, Oilers history. So yeah. McDavid yeah. He's continues been to climb climbing the, the ranks. Oilers franchise history records. Um, do you think that McDavid, when all is said and done, will be the all-time franchise leader in points in Edmonton? Um, that's tough. Um, I'm just gonna, how many does Gretzky have with? Yeah, I'm just pulling it up. I believe it's around eighteen hundred with the Oilers. That sounds that sounds about right. Sixteen sixty nine. Sixteen sixty nine. Nice. Um, I mean, McDavid's crazy, already. At, that's at a crazy number, but that's doable. I think, like, the, assuming the, the he stays thing there is, for his career. Yeah, that's very and that's doable. the big thing. Yeah, I don't know if he does. Um, it's tough, and it was interesting with Dry Saddle's comments. The other day, you know, he said, you know, I, at the end of the day, we both want to win here, but I'm going to do what's best for me. Mc, you know, Connor's going to do what's best for him. Um, it's tough, though, because, I mean, as well as you always have been right now, you know, if they make the playoffs and it's a first round exit or second round exit, you know. It, the biggest thing for me is it just I just kind of wonder how much of an impact does it have on McDavid's decision if Dreisaitl decides to leave i it's such a weird uh situation because if it if the roles were reversed and mcdavid was his contract was up first you know that if mcdavid leaves drive titles the fuck out of there right 
but yeah yeah like i but it's, i, I wonder, think it's and like this isn't the other a dig, this isn't a dig at dry sidle but like does he have the balls to pack his shit and leave with mcdavid there like like that's not supposed to be a dig on him at all it's just like uh you're actively choosing to not be on the best power play we've seen in years you know like you're playing with the best player in the world right now and yeah to actively choose to go somewhere else like and i mean granted he's gonna get paid if he goes somewhere else like at least well, and that's the thing him, i think like he's gonna like get how much money yeah that it's how much does does money play into it you know if you sign a dry saddle to a eight-year deal at 14 per year and then mcdavid's deals up you know, and then what do you do? Do you get McDavid like 15 and a half? Like, does he even get up to the 16 range? Like, then you've got, say, 30 million in your cap tied into those two. Um, that makes your it's job tough. tough. I think when it's all said and done, I think McDavid, I think regardless what happens, I do think he does stay with Edmonton. And like, even if he if, signs uh, an eight year deal, he'll leaves. pass Gretzky. I think oh, McDavid will. I think he'll stay regardless. Drysaddle, I think, is is really a 50 50, um, just based on kind of the emotions you see from him in the playoffs. And, you know, when they they lose or there's adversity, he just shuts out and doesn't talk to the media. He's very agitated and, and whatnot. I think if, if the Oilers don't win a cup within the next two years, or, or at least at the very minimum, early round exits. I think Dry Saddle could very well leave if if you've got a team like the LA Kings um who offer him like the bag. Because I could see yeah. the Kings being a team that would is trying to find that now kind of maybe next replacement for Kopitar's kind of coming near the end. And yeah. obviously Dubois is not gonna be that. So yeah, I think Dry Saddle is a fifty fifty, but I think McDavid stays and he um by by the time he's done, like if he signs an eight year deal, even a six year deal, five maybe, uh, yeah, he'll he'll pass Gretzky and be the all time leader in that. Yeah, and I I don't see any way if he does stay. I think it's an eight year deal. I don't think he goes anything less. I think because yeah. he'll he'll be signing that when he's what twenty eight, twenty seven. Like that's when you cash in for your money. That's when you sign your eight year deal that takes you. you that's your big payment uh contract in your career i know he's, he's already, already got his a, yeah. he's already he's had a, a massive second. one but tra- traditionally that's how it works and yeah it would uh it would be very interesting to see one of these guys be like like and i think i've talked about this before with you on the podcast but uh a guy just be like man i really want to fucking win and like mcdavid's like all right time to get a cup league minimum colorado easy slam dunk cup win and then he gets paid next year you know because you never know what's going to happen if he gets injured or something right so that money after year that is not guaranteed at all but like yeah if he signs for that low that stanley cup is all but secured like if you pick the right team a team like a colorado or a a couple years ago a tampa uh rangers like one of these really stacked teams already looking to contend. You add a McDavid or a Drysidle, like that—that yeah. that would be nasty. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Like the McDavid one, I think is pretty safe, but the dry saddle one, man. The more and more you watch each year, it's like, and and again, I think it was also happening. Yeah, and I think even like, I mean, like what's dry saddle stats on the year? Like he's still putting up good numbers, but from what we're used to getting from him, we're like, we're like, geez, like he's got he's got forty six points in forty games, which is still like, I mean, that's still good over a point per game, but it's like, man, we're expecting dry saddle to be in the you know, the minimum 105 points and then plus like he, yeah, he's really been struggling. And so, you know, it's, That's, it's going to be interesting next year. I would be hoping for from like Victor Hedman, you know, like yeah, just a bit over a point per game. Like that's, that's a really good defenseman number, but for a guy who's been year, though, so otherworldly offensively, especially in the past several years, you definitely would oh. expect more from him. When we talked about it last week, you know, we know what Dry Saddle is already capable of, and next year's a contract year. Like, if he look what Sam Reinhardt and William Nylander yeah. are doing on contract years, a guy like Dry who's like, playing with McDavid and Bouchard now, who I think probably is is probably going to be that uh, you know third guy in the Norris Finals with. Uh, yeah. McCarr and Hughes, who I think have already kind of locked up being one and two, whichever way you want to go with it is. Yeah. I would still give it to Quinn Hughes personally. Um, but it's like, it's like, man, the, the possibilities of what dry saddle could do next year. It, it is going to be, it's going to be crazy, but it's always been the big, you know, uh, so many teams have it, you know, the, the big four in, uh, Toronto and it's the big two in Edmonton but if Bouchard keeps playing this way it's they kind of got a big three there now they actually might have another another all-star superstar talented guy like that you know they've had great complimentary pieces with them over the past few years you know the Nugent Hopkins the the uh who's the dude who played for Toronto Zach Hyman like they've had guys that are really good with them, but clearly complementary pieces. This might be another yeah. actual superstar, and that's that's interesting to see. I think you can already put him in there. I think you can already call it the big three with those three. I think yeah. Bouchard, like in the time already, I think he's 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 made the case that that you can you know you that you can you can get away with calling calling them that. I would I would uh, I would wait until maybe like. 10 games into next season to say it personally, but I would not blame you for saying it at all. Yeah. All right. Enough about Edmonton. Now we've hyped them up after we bashed on them before. Yeah. Um, another, uh, pretty big, um, milestone. Mark Andre Fleury is now second all time regular season goalie wins with 552, at this point now, it's really just how much can he pad into, you know, solidifying that second place spot for however long. Because, like, no, I don't think anybody's beaten, uh, beaten Broders, and especially not anytime soon at the very least. Um, but Definitely like, congrats to Flurry there. Like, that's and and he's a weird one because I've seen a lot of people make the argument that he, you know, he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I definitely think he is. And I think just this alone yeah. now, second all time in wins, like, you know, he's got to be, if people are saying, um, 
you know, Patrick Marlowe's first ballot. You could go even just based off the fact he's the all-time leader in games played, not even which, which putting into account everything else, like the 500 career goals and whatnot. But like this over 500 locks goals, Flurry so in. Absolutely. Yeah, like this. I think he was locked in as soon as he won the Vesna in 2021. I think he was yeah. probably in before that, but I think that Vesna absolutely locked it down, uh, despite my personal feeling that Vasilevsky should have won it. Uh, but second all-time in wins, you can't get to that without being a Hall of Fame player. Like, yeah. you, you can't. Like, no bum rides a team's success to 552 regular season wins. That's so many. Yeah. And and I get people's argument of, oh, he, you know, he played with, you know, Crosby and Malkinop. But I mean, okay. Like, Patrick Wall look, played look with at, look at Chicago. Joe Sackick. He played with uh, Peter Forsberg. Is Patrick Wall not great? Like, yeah. good players play with good players, you know? You you can't uh, you can't drag them down because of that. Like you can do it while when splitting hairs a bit, but to, for something the level of being a Hall of Famer, I I don't think it's the same. Especially since he's won he's won three cups, but he's had a lot of success in Pittsburgh and in Vegas. Yeah. Like he left, yeah, he and was... was immediately the face of another another franchise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, just going to throw in, and of course, they're different eras, but I would argue that's in his favor. Uh, Marco Andre Fleury is tied in career save percentage with Martin Brodeur at a nine twenty nine twelve. Wow. Sorry. And Martin Brodeur played in the dead puck era with a very good defensive uh, Devils team. So I would say that nine twelve is a bit more impressive on Flurry's side. Yeah. Granted, yeah, that's actually uh, impressive. Right? I didn't know they were tied. Almost two hundred fifty more games. Uh, uh, yeah. Both, they are both over a thousand. Are they? I believe there's only four players all time who have played more than a thousand goalie games. All right. Well, apparently my tab is going to crash if I try and sort by games played. There we go. Yeah, he's fourth all time in games played for goalies. So, yeah, Broder, that's pretty Longo, impressive. Wah and Flurry. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I also like the the one you you brought up um in here that Sidney Crosby's on pace for for fifty goals this year, and if he does hit fifty, that would also be his uh his six hundredth career goal. Yeah, which I think I is a pretty pretty cool stat there. Yeah, I did not realize that he must have started this year with 550 goals. Because yeah, if he that that 50th goal will be 50 on the season, 600 in his career. That would be so cool to see him hit that in Pittsburgh at a home game. Yeah, that would that would be really fun to see. Um, which other ones do we got here? Oh, I guess we can we can do the the Chicago ones, um, because they made a couple, couple moves, and I don't think people have fully understood the concept of these moves. Um, but to break them down, the Blackhawks signed Nick Foligno to a two-year extension at four point five million per year. 
And they also signed Jason Dickinson to an extension at two years at 4.25 per year. Um, yeah, these are obviously overpays, but when you're a team like Chicago, who it has to just reach the cap floor. Yeah. Um, I mean, like that's, that's what you got to do. And having, you know, a good veteran like Nick Felino, who great locker room guy will always stand up for your teammates. Like we saw with Bedard and then Jason Dickinson based on his play this year, I think has earned that nice little payday. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these, these are good signings for Chicago, good guys to have on their team as they're, they're going through this tough time there for, for that franchise. Um, and, and again, it's really just, you gotta, you gotta reach the cap floor. So that's a, a big part of, of what it also is kind of coming down to. Yeah. They, they, especially with, um, losing Corey Perry, uh, losing his contract, he, you gotta make up that money somewhere. So speaking of Perry, you know, and it makes sense that they are, uh, signing all these guys to the same two year contract. So they're, they're si- kind of lining everyone up to be like, all right, in two years, uh, this is where we're going to be with Bedard, uh, and we're going to see who's going to be his future line mates from here on out. Yeah, speaking of Perry, he's, uh, he is eligible to, to sign elsewhere now. Um, yep. And it sounds like the Edmonton Oilers have actually been kind of kicking, kicking tires on bringing Perry, which I think would be huge for them. Um, I think he can add a lot to to what that team is missing. Um, so I mean, if the way the Oilers are playing, man, you bring him. The the thing is, I guess if you bring in Perry, one of two things will happen. One, everything will fall apart, and because we've seen that before, where teams go out and get a guy, and he just he doesn't work. We saw it happen with the Coyotes getting Taylor Hall. Um, so it, it could either just the Oilers could fall apart or they could hit that next level and they could even be like that much more dominant. If you've now got a guy like Corey Perry um, slotting in on your fourth line and, you know, second power play unit or something, I think could, um, yeah. could definitely help the Oilers reach a, another level to the one that, that they're already currently on. Yeah. And uh, I know there was a lot of people saying that they really didn't think any teams would take a chance on Perry, but the second I knew that the second he was eligible to be signed again, like there's got to be me- multiple teams like for for the price you can get him at. He brings a lot of value. And especially if you have a weaker power play, uh, which is interesting that you say Ed- Edmonton, since they have a good power play, obviously. Uh, but even on that second power play, he can still provide quite a bit of value. He's still really skilled, even if he's getting pretty up there in age. So, yeah, I think he'd be a good fit in Edmonton. I've heard rumors that uh, the Leafs are looking at him. Uh, yeah, of course they are. Of course they are. I got to assume Vegas is too, just because they get everyone that anyone's talking about. Despite them being at 50 out of 50 contracts, looks like they're the only team in the league with 50 out of 50 contracts. The only thing is, though, and the, and the, and this is one of the reasons that I think if if Corey Perry does sign, I think it's also very similar to how the, the door's not completely closed on Zach Parise returning to the Islanders. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, whatever team signs Corey Perry, he's taking up a roster spot, which means, you know, unless you've, you've got a rookie, you're comfortable getting rid of for the rest of the season. Um, you're you're going to have to put one of your, your current guys on waivers and potentially risk losing them and then sending them down to the minors and kind of, uh, cutting ties with them um, 
for the rest of the season, which is a big thing. So I think, you know, if we see, and Zach Parise would only go to the Islanders. He's made that, you know, very clear if, if he ever does come back. Um, but I think if we see guys like Perry and Parise, it'll probably be more around the trade deadline. Um, you know, when moves are already kind of being made and whatnot, and also potentially injuries. Like if, you know, you kind of get around to the trade deadline time, you've got a guy who, you know, isn't coming back or something. It makes it a little bit easier to go sign a guys. Or if you're making some trades, you can open up a roster spot through that um, to still give that player, you know, a chance to, to go somewhere else and get some assets back and then you can sign them. Yeah. Um, so I think if he does sign, I think it'll be around, you know, that, that end of uh, February or early March would be my kind of my best guess. Is there unless a, a team makes a move at, at some point to open up a spot for him? Yeah, is there a uh, li- limit or a deadline for when you can sign free agents? You can't. I believe the deadline is after the trade deadline. You 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 can no longer um, sign guys. Okay, which I, I like because the yeah. NFL is actually weird because you can have guys get like it's an eighteen week season and you can have guys get cut in week 17 and then they can sign with a a playoff team in week 18 and then go on a playoff run with them which i'm not a fan of i think it's i i like the way the nhl has is once a trade deadline is hitting pass it's like that's your your team you're locked in with the guys you've got signed and under contract is is your team up until you know the end of the the playoffs yeah and it's it's interesting because I know, you know, the misconception is you can't make a trade after the trade deadline. When in reality, uh, the rule is any player traded after the trade deadline cannot play on their new team until the next NHL season. So, like, you could make a trade after the deadline, but if you're going to the playoffs, that guy can't play for you. Yeah, and exactly. I know it was one or two years ago in the second round, one of the teams made a trade. And I, I think both teams were eliminated from the playoffs or didn't make it. But I know a lot of people were like, what, uh, can they do this? And it was like, yeah, you just don't really see it that often. Most of these guys are on vacation by that point. Yeah. And, and any, you know, trade talks that kind of happen around during the playoffs for teams that are out usually aren't, you know, don't come out or anything until like the draft or something. Like it's rumors kind of leading up and then, it either happens at the draft or like yeah. during the beginning of free agency or something. It's not very often you actually see it happen while the the playoffs are, are underway. Um, but with that, what do we got? I think we only got a couple things. Uh yeah, I got uh, I got one here. Um Andre Vasilevsky uh earlier this week recorded his nineteenth career assist with a secondary assist on uh, Darren Radish's OT winner. Uh, so that's his 19th career point. Uh, Jonathan Quick with 20 and Marc-Andre Fleury, who we talked about earlier, at 21, are the only active goalies with more. Uh, Fleury has played 1,004 career games. Quick has played 767. Vasilevsky has only played 445, and he's already at 19. So, yeah. Uh, not a massive, uh, you know, sexy stat that everyone loves to talk about, but uh, Vasilevsky could have the uh, 
the chance to maybe go for like the NHL all-time goalie point record, which is you know a lot of a lot of uh, secondary assists and whatnot, of course. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that he's you know that high up uh, with so few games played. Yeah, yeah that that is that is quite action impressive stat. He's already uh, right up there with guys like uh, Quick and Flurry who. Are kind of you know unfortunately near the end of their careers and Vasilevsky's still got uh, many many years to go so he's only going to continue to just kind of surpass those guys and then uh, you know just continue to to climb the ranks there. Yeah, I've just pulled it up. Uh, really expected uh, Martin Brodeur to be a leader in this uh, category, especially with his two goals. Uh, but he has 47 points in his career, tied with Grant Fuhrer. They're in second and third. Number one is Tom Barrasso with 48 points. Oh, okay. So 48 points. Uh, Vassy's already at 19. He is 29 years old right now, I believe. So it's uh, it's definitely possible. I mean... It's it's not something you you really see guys actively work towards other than going for the odd goalie goal. Yeah, like if the assists happen, they happen. But like really, it, it's kind of out of the goalie's control for a lot of their assists. Like we said, yeah. most of them are kind of secondary assists. Like unless you really see the goalie go out and play the puck and hit a long stretch pass to a guy to send him on like a breakaway or two on one. Usually it's, it's mostly the goalie just kind of gives it to their defenseman, their defenseman gives it to a four, and then they kind of do they their thing and uh, and score, yeah. And yeah. it's funny because you only need 49 to be the all-time leader for that stat. Like, if you actively wanted that, like, as long as your team's, like, you know, in a playoff spot, if you're fighting for a playoff spot, your team's going to tell you to pound sand. But, like, you know, if a team like Tampa was comfortably in a playoff spot, I could totally see, a you know, a goalie being, like, Hey, uh, guys on the power play, this could be an easy way to farm some secondary assists. Uh, so I just pass it to this guy. This guy goes in, take the shot, try it once a game, and uh, see if you can rack up some extra assists. It'll be funny, you know? Like, uh, there's there's a couple random instances where we've seen guys, like, just get something in their head that they really want to do, and they just keep going for it. And mm-hmm. if they just keep going for it, eventually it works, you know? Uh, things like uh, Zegris, how many Michigan goals he scored. Like, he just, he's just thinking about it while nobody else really is. And, you know, he's had some knocked down, but he's scored on two or three of them. So, yeah, it, it I think he's only got to see something like that for uh, a guy to one? be like wanting fit. Uh, I think he might actually only have the one. one. Because the other only other one I can think of is that flip pass. Uh, he did have uh, a Michigan goal that year. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't a skating one. It was like behind the net, set up and do it. Oh, just behind the net. Okay. Um, speaking of, you know, while we're on the topic of goalies, just a couple kind of goalie, um, trade news. So Merz Lincoln's, um. After yeah. after winning in the shootout um, the other day, I believe it was against the Canucks. Um, celebrated pretty pretty hard, very emotional. And afterwards, um, 
he did say that he has requested a trade out of Columbus. I believe after previously stating that he didn't. Um, and now he has confirmed that he has requested a trade out of Columbus. Um, guess, guess what team is interested in him? <laughs> it, I mean, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to say the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nope. Starts with an N. Would have been funny. New Jersey? Nope. Uh, that would have been interesting because they do they do need a goaltender. No one. Not a single team is interested in Elvin's Merz Lincoln's um, services. Interesting. Which, I mean, is kind of fair. He's he's never really been like a... And he, he's also stated that like he's like, I'm a number one goalie. I'm not being a backup or a third stringer. Like, I'm the guy. First of all, I don't think the way he's been playing um, necessarily warrants him to demand that he should be a starter and to be like, yeah, I'm a starter. I'm not going to be a backup is um, I, uh, a, little, a little rough. It's a bit of a bold claim, but I don't think it's unfair by any means. He is a, he is a 906 this year, which is a decent bit above. It's about points. 0.06 above the league average but a and 322 he's... save percentage and the year before an 876 save percentage doing... a 423 he's he's doing that on a a very bad columbus blue jackets team a nine a 906 on columbus this year i think is uh absolutely nothing to sneeze at and uh, to carry yourself as an elite goaltender is a bit much but uh to say that he feels like he's earned the starting position, I don't think is too unfair. What I, And the, the biggest reason I think no one wants him is the fact that for the remainder of this year and the next three years after that, he comes in with a cap hit of 5.4. And that's that makes it a lot harder. So, if, I mean, that, and that's why I... Deal. And like I you think said, it's, he, does not have the, he does not have the history of fantastic yeah. numbers enough to warrant uh taking that on like that's a decent bit of a risk you could look you could end up with a uh an edmonton situation there with jack campbell so yeah i think if anything if mers lincoln truly believes in his mind that he deserves to be a starter in this league and he's only going to be a starter i think he's got to ride it out with columbus for the the remainder of the season and i think he might have to pull a philip zadina and you know it's a lot of money he'd be leaving on the table but if he truly believes that he can go somewhere and uh, be a starter, he might have to agree to a contract termination and then go sign somewhere else and, and, you know, pave out the rest of his career. Because I just, with a cap at a 5.4 and what he's, what he's done so far, I just don't see any team willing to, to, to risk bringing on that kind of contract for yeah. a career that might pan out for you. And then if he doesn't, then, you're you're stuck with another Jack Campbell contract that would then become immovable if he goes to another team and can't piece it together. Um, so that yeah. that's an interesting one to keep an on. The other one is Jacob Markstrom, who I don't think the Flames have officially, you know, said he's on the the trade block and they're going to trade him. Um, but there has been some chatter surrounding him. Um, this one does involve the New Jersey Devils, actually. Um, it does sound like the Devils Very are interested in Jacob Markstrom. 
However, I love this for Calgary, especially for Craig Conroy. Um, it sounds like if a March to New Jersey trade is going to happen, New Jersey is going to have to send either Dawson Mercer or Simone Nemich um, back to Calgary. And it sounds wow. like if, if one of those two players isn't involved, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a deal made. If you're the Devils, would you entertain either of those guys one for one for Markstrom? Well, and, and that's a thing, right? Like, I know everybody's, you know, more people are blown away. Like, well, Simone Nemich, you can't do that. Um, Dawson Mercer is an interesting one because he's the main guy that San Jose wanted in the Timo, the Timo Meyer. Meyer. And New Jersey was like, no way. Um, we're not parting with him. Now that he's kind of having a little bit of a step back here, it makes sense. But at the end of the day, it's like New Jersey's realistically a Jacob Markstrom away from from winning a cup within the next from winning a cup. couple years. Even if you lose, so, even if you trade a guy and he is incredible for another team for 20 years, nobody cares if you win the cup. You still won the trade. If he puts yeah. up 1,400 points over his career with the Flames, but you won the cup, fuck you, you won, right? So, well, And that's like with... Um, if you really think you're going for it, I mean, if Markstrom's looking good, you might just pull the trigger. Even if it, uh, in pure trade value, you might be losing. Oh, and, and a lot of people are like, man, I can't believe the Blues, you know, gave up on Tage Thompson and this and this. They, they kind of got ruined. It's like, first of all, Tage Thompson was doing jack shit for St. Louis. He probably, I'm not even sure he, he would be where, he wouldn't be anywhere near he is now if he didn't get out of St. Louis. I don't Second think of all, so. They got, they got Ryan O'Reilly who captained them to, uh, well, not captain, but kind of led them to a Stanley Cup and won the, the Conn Smite. So it's like, at the very least, tied that trade. There is no. I still think they no, won. They, I was gonna say there is no universe where they lost. They win. It's either a win-win or a draw. Like they, if you yeah. win the cup after a trade, it's a win. Even if that guy was a role player, like how goofy does it look uh, that Tampa traded a first for Barclay Goodrow? Uh, right? Yeah. Like, like that's that's not a guy you trade a first for. Everyone says that's a great trade because they won the cup. Like you, and also when you think about it, that, if you win the cup, settles that settles everything. Yeah, when you think about it, when you trade a first and you win the cup, it's the very end of the first. Basically, you just call it a second round pick at that yeah. point. So, to to give up a a very end of the first, call it a second round pick to get a cup is like that's that's an easy win for the team that wins a cup because at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do. If you yeah. have to give up a piece that goes on to have a successful career and he wouldn't for you and you end up with a cup, so be it. So yeah. I, I I think with New Jersey, I think Simone Nemich is untouchable, um, I which say, I think he's would, in a tough spot anyways. That would be a massive anyways. win for Calgary if they could get Nemich out of the deal somehow, even yeah. if they go Markstrom and something else. Uh, I mean, Simone Nemich is in a tough that. spot. Because, Just because they've got Hamilton and Luke Hughes still. That's true. But uh, huh. not only has he looked really good in his time in the NHL, he's on his ELC for the next three years. So <laughs> a guy that good at a minimal cap hit could be really beneficial to a team trying to win the cup in the next few years. So yeah, I doubt they're going to move him if they really are looking at going for the cup right now. 
Yeah, yeah. I think if anything, it it would be Dawson Mercer, which I, I know Devils fans love him. Um, but I think also when you kind of look at the team and you know with contracts and whatnot, you're kind of getting to a point where someone's gonna he, be he's going to yeah, someone's got to got to like one of your young guys is is going to be the odd guy out, and that's just standard with the way it goes because guys yeah. get better contracts go up. Like I know the caps going up with what they've got. Like I, I think he just ends up being the odd guy out. And I, yeah. there's he, always Calgary that guy get more ends up being the odd guy out. Tampa Bay did not want to get rid of Ross Colton, but that's, that's what happens. The young guys play good. They get an next big contract and you can't afford it. That's, that's yeah. what happens when you sign guys like Timo Meyer, Dougie Hamilton, Andre Pilat. Tyler yeah. Toffoli, you you can't afford all the young guys coming up anymore. So, they're uh, could probably get more than just Mercer because they're they're in yeah. the power position because they hold all the cards. Like New Jersey wants, there's not a their lot of goalie. goalies out there. Yeah, there's and Calgary knows that they, New Jersey really doesn't have many other areas to turn to. And I think out of goalies available, I think Markstrom's the number one. Like if Calgary, yeah, comes out and says, you know, he's available which i think he will be just because you, you've something's got to move for dustin wolf to come up they and got i think play. where markstrom's at in his career he wants to to go on playoff runs and i don't think that's unfortunately i don't think that's going to happen with calgary no i think so, they're going into a, a small scale rebuild i think it's a bit more than a re retool but i don't think they're yeah. blowing it up completely i mean they've got a couple long-term contracts they can't really mm -hmm. but so I think Markstrom becomes available, and then he's the, the the goalie that you know that teams are searching for a goalie are are gonna go after. So yeah, unless you know, if it becomes uh, Washington a decides war, that uh, they're they're slipping and they can't make the playoffs, and they unload Kemper, uh, I think yeah, Markstrom's definitely yeah. the guy. I would I think I'd still have uh, I I would probably still have Markstrom over Kemper, and I mean if if they're both available or whatnot. And you get teams getting into bidding wars, like that that just drives the price up even more because you're like, hey, they're they're offering me this. What are you gonna do to to increase your offer? Are you gonna throw in an extra prospect? You're gonna, you know, bump that second to a first? Like it it's yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see if I I I don't wanna say when yet, but I almost feel like when Marcham gets moved this year. It'll be it'd be interesting to see what that um what what that haul is that that Calgary gets back because they're in the position of strength, and and it's not even like they're hurting them because you you move March and you bring in all these pieces and guess what you got Dustin Wolf coming up now to replace him so yeah. it's I mean I know Flames fans love Markstrom but I I think trading Markstrom is a huge win for them I think it just makes because, too much sense right now and it yeah. it does suck when the best course of action is to get rid of a guy that you really like. Uh, but that's that in a cap salary cap era, that's just how it is. You know, uh, of course I'm always going to relate things back to Tampa, but nobody in Tampa's uh, fan base wanted to see Ryan McDonough leave, but we couldn't, you couldn't afford the cap hit. And yeah, to improve the team going forward, you, you got to make the move. And if you're going to trade Markstrom, might as well do it now while he's playing. Like we saw him kind of have a little bit he's of a slip up last year. He's he's bounced back several years. 
Yeah, he's bounced back really good this year. Not only that, he's he's on a pretty decent deal. Like he's only he's I mean not like he's only making, but he's making six million dollars. But that's for the remainder of this year and the next two years. So if you're trading for him, you you've got him. You're running with him for this year and the next two years. Um, so which I think just adds to the value even more. It's not like you're trading for you know, a goalie is going to be a UFA at the end of the year and he can decide to, to go off afterwards and kind of leave you you high and dry. You, you've you got him. So, again, it's it, I know Flames fans love him, but I think if you're if you're going to move him, you you got to do it. Uh, you got to do it this year. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about uh, Merzlikens not having the resume. Uh, these are... <laughs> Markstrom's full season stat uh save percentages uh starting from 1617 uh 910 in 25 games played 912 and 60 912 and 60 918 and 43 904 and 43 922 in 63 games like what a season and yeah. then last year he had his down year an 892 and 59 that's bad but it's not it's not out of the league bad and it's clearly a down year. And then this year, he's back up to a 9-12 and 26. Like, Not only that, the year he put up a 9-22, he had nine shutouts as well. <laughs> like, yeah, they... And consistency... It's funny because recently, we are so accustomed, especially being from Calgary, we hear all about people complaining about it. You hear so much about his inconsistency. You look at his career by the year stats... That's incredible consistency. He's got like four years with a nine twelve in there. Yeah, and and right now I can't remember what the exact number was, but it, it's starting to become now where you know before it was like when you've when you've got a goalie you you want to have at least a, a nine a nine ten to like a nine fifteen save percentage type right yeah. like to kind of be like a, a a consistent starter. That's gone down to like now. If you got a goalie that's even just putting up a nine hundred save percentage, that's that's solid. That's a starter. So yeah. the fact that he's above that and has been doing it consistently, um, and I don't think I'd call Calgary a defensive specialist team by any means. They've got some good uh, defensemen individually, but as a team, yeah, not really. Yeah, I know we've. Uh, I do believe we covered this uh, a couple months ago on the podcast looking at uh, year by year save percentages but 2015 to 16 the league average save percentage was 915 and then getting to going to more recent years 913 912 910 910 908 907 904 and this year is also 904 yeah Sa the league average has consistently gone down over the past several years so thank Austin Matthews for that yeah exactly and like <laughs> Like, it was so ludicrous in 1819 when Kucherov hit 128 points. Like, that was so unthinkable. Nobody would be that surprised if three, four guys hit that this year. Like, yeah. that's a lot of points, but there's a lot of guys who can do it. There's scoring is up so much. So having yeah. a 900 save percentage is not, it's only 0 0.04 below the average. And having yeah. a nine ten, that's pretty damn good now. Well, and even before, like I'd think back five, six, seven years, it would always be like, you know, who who's the first to to hit fifty goals this year? Now it's like 
it doesn't really matter who's the first hit 50. It's how many are going to hit that 50 mark this year. Yeah. How many are hitting 50 and who's going to hit How many 60? are hitting 60? <laughs> yeah. Like we had, two peop- we had two people score 60 goals last year. Like that's so nuts. Like other, other than that, who, who scored 60 goals in the last 20 years? Stamkos, Ovechkin. And then in the last two years, we've had three guys do it in yeah. McDavid, Matthews, and Posternock. So, yeah. It's, that gets, yeah. Scoring's going up, especially for the top-end guys. So, uh, I think I think people have uh, not really realized that, and they're a bit tough on goalies with their stats. Uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, before a 900, like anything starting with an 8 was like, you're out of the league. I think... Uh, I think if you're at an eight, eight ninety eight, if you're a backup, I think that is just fine. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. Um, yeah, yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, with that though, what what do we want to hop into next? We only we only got a couple here left, and some yeah, of them are a little easier to to um, kind of fly I got through. I got one that's got a bit more a uh, bit more details on it that I put in here. Um. But uh, Cody Hodgson uh, is currently attempting to make his NHL comeback. Uh, He was drafted in 2008 by the Vancouver Canucks, 10th overall. Uh, He was forced to retire at age 26 after being diagnosed with a malignant hyperthermia. Uh, This is when he was 26. He is now 34 uh, in February. Uh, he previously skated in 328 NHL games between the Canucks, Sabres, and Predators. Uh, 142 points in 328 games. That's not bad. That's like a 30, 35 points per season average. Um, his best season came during the lockout-shortened 2012-2013 campaign when he put up uh, 13, sorry, 15 goals and 19 assists in 48 games with the Sabres. Um, yeah, it he's been out of the league for for what is that, eight years? And he's uh, apparently been training like six days a week, uh skating, and he's trying to make a comeback after dealing with health issues this whole time. Uh yeah. and it looks like some teams are actually looking at him and that would be an incredible he, story. He just he he's just recently signed um a PTO with the Milwaukee Admirals in the AHL, so that is uh Nashville's um ahl club so you know nashville's already uh they've already kind of brought him into the fold and he's on a pto so it's kind of a you know like see how you do see how you fit in if you if you can earn a contract then uh then we'll kind of go from there type of thing that'd be interesting the the door's open there for him there three teams that he had played with played with before so uh if he was able to get back to the league that would uh that would just be an incredible story to see that uh come full circle yeah, it's interesting because we were talking uh, earlier um, this season about, you know, Brandon Sutter. Uh, he, he was dealing with that, those long-term COVID issues. Um, took a couple years off. He was ready to come back, signed with the Oilers. And then a couple games later, he, he just he couldn't do it and, uh, you know, ended up retiring. So it'll be interesting to see how, how this goes for Hodgson and how, you know, now, you know, being back in that high-paced game and, and whatnot, um, you know, if, if he's able to kind of, uh, you know, able to keep up and if his body can handle it and most importantly, can he, uh, 
you know, can he secure a contract there and maybe work his way up into being part of the Predators lineup maybe at some point this season or or maybe next year? Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. You you wonder uh, if maybe uh, Barry Trotz over in uh, Nashville, if he's, does he expect him to make the team or does he think, you know, maybe he'll be a, kind of a player consultant, you know, teach, you know, teach guys some stuff, you know, does he want him to be more of a staff guy later on if he can't make the league? Uh, So it'll, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, does he make a team or does he get a job with the team on their staff instead? Yeah. Do like, do I think he makes it back to the NHL this year? No. Um, But I could see it being something of, you know, he signs with the Milwaukee Admirals for the rest of the season and then maybe resigns with Nashville and then is actually given a chance, you know, throughout training camp and whatnot next yeah. year to the team. Or maybe he goes into the AHL, he impresses, and that's all Nashville wanted for him. They just wanted to give him a chance to get back and showcase he can still play. And then he can go into free agency and potentially sign elsewhere. And, you know, if maybe he just – and, I mean, no team goes out of their way to – to sign a guy and make him part of the team just for a, you know, just to make people like, Oh, that's sweet of them. Like it's, it's still a business and teams are still trying to win. Um, but if it's something of down in the AHL where it's, you know, he's, he's, if they're a playoff team and he can help them and then that can just set him up to, to go off and uh, get a chance somewhere else. That, that, that's a very re- realistic possibility as well for him. Yeah, so we will be interesting uh, to see uh, how he does in, you know, where he, does he stick with Nashville or does he, does he go elsewhere? And then can he make the jump back into the NHL that's evolved quite a bit since the, the last time he's played now? Yeah. So uh, if anything uh, evolves uh, on the situation with uh, Cody Hodgson, we'll uh, definitely keep you up to date on that. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that for sure. Um, uh, a little bit more of a darker... Yeah. side of hockey um colorado avalanche ford valerie nakuskin um has decided to enter the nhl uh, players assistance program um i mean i, I kind of feel like this was i kind of I I, kind of bound to happen just based off what happened the, i think this is his second time in the pa uh if oh, is i it? recall correctly i believe i saw that uh, I can double because I know that. there's the incident in the playoffs last year that occurred in um, Seattle, which did just force him to just step away from the team. Um, but yeah, like this, this isn't the first time we've we've heard of something revolving him, and you know th- this type of stuff. So hopefully, um, entering this program, I mean, and, and I mean, you, you can, we can only speculate, but you can maybe make yeah. the the assumption that, you know, Sam Gerard just came back from it and maybe um, that kind of helped lean Nikushkin into, into this decision and, you know, seeing a, a buddy and a teammate go, go down this road and go into the program and seeing him come back and uh, better and, you know, healthier and happier, maybe um, gave him a little motivation to, to make that jump for himself in doing this. Yeah. Um, and, um, just with uh, multiple guys now from the Avalanche going into the player assistance program, I, I do wonder how many of them does it have anything to do with uh, Nathan McKinnon? Um, he's been very open uh, over the past few years about how how much um, the sports therapists 
and the mental health coaches uh, in the Avalanche organization have helped him reach the next level of his game and just be a better person. So I, I do wonder if, you know, as a bit of a leader in that locker room, do they, you know, bounce the idea off of him and he says, absolutely do what you need to do. Like, yeah, I, uh, I think everything he said on it, it seems very good coming from McKinnon. And, uh, I, I think he's cultivating a good locker room there. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, but yeah, not, not a whole lot to really say on it. Just, we hope that obviously he, uh, gets the help he needs and can come back, um, better and happier and healthier, uh, moving forward. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just going to throw back in that, uh, I did Google it and I, Obviously, everything coming up is recent, so uh, I'm going to take back that this is his second time in the program, since I cannot find any evidence of him being there before. No, there we go. I'm going um, to assume that I'm crazy. Just, I uh, think, kind of a couple of the final things we got here. Uh, Minnesota Wild defenseman Jared Spurgeon. Uh, we now know that he's out for the remainder of the season after undergoing hip and back um, surgery. Um it's a huge loss for that wild team, but again, I don't think they're real threats to make the playoffs. So it's not like, and I think they knew it's that. not like their playoff hopes are, are dashed or anything. Um, and I think it helps soften the blow a little bit, and out that you know that you've got a guy like Brock Faber who can who can play those minutes and and carry that uh, workload that they're going to be missing with with Spurgeon out. Yeah, uh, Tampa just beat. Uh, I believe the final score was uh, yeah seven to three. Uh, lightning over the wild tonight. Even in that game, though, Brock Faber looked great. Yeah, he was out there for so many minutes, and he played fantastically. So yeah, he's they, very uh, consistent. In him. The uh, the ESPN announcers were very high on him, saying you love to see a guy that plays this well, especially when it's a guy that uh, you know you can have for the next twenty years on your franchise. So they, yeah. Uh, they already seem to have stapled him in there on Minnesota. They definitely think he's going to get a big extension. Yeah. Um, kind of one of the last things we got is the San Jose Sharks announced the other day that they, uh, not this season, but next season, they will be retiring uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton's number 19. Uh, again, one of those things we kind of knew it was going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's currently living in San Jose still. Um, he is present every now and then in Sharks practices. He's um, recently actually been out there uh, from time to time helping and just kind of feeding pucks to Couture as he's uh, trying to come back from whatever lower body injury he's been dealing with all season. Um, and I think with this now, it, it's kind of, it, it, it's slowly, like, again, it, we know it's going to happen, but we're s slowly getting to that point where Joe Thornton is going to be brought into the franchise in some sort of role. Uh, yeah. We've already seen with Patrick Marlowe. Um, we know Joe Thornton's he's going to be brought in and, and work with the franchise in some role. We don't know what it is, but we're, we're getting closer and closer to that point. Um, and this is just another step in it and, and very well deserved uh, for Joe Thornton to have his, uh, his number 19 retired there in San Jose. Yeah, right on. Yeah, bust out the golf claps for Jumbo Joe. Um, um, so yeah, congrats to Joe Thornton on that. Uh, what, great career. Uh, what do you think the odds are? Because obviously David Quinn has not looked like he has done a fantastic job in San Jose. 
do you think there's any chance that uh, they're maybe holding on to him for another season and then uh, looking to put Joe Thornton behind the bench? No. I do don't think, think so not, because again, I think it's just coach situation or do you think the time's not right? It, the time is definitely not right. It's, you don't it's want just to put a tough him in one. too early, kind of like the Alfredson situation. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, it's just bringing in former players to be like the coach or not. And then if you have to go down the road of firing them is, is tough. I, I realistically really could see him um, potentially coming in as something to like, uh, you know, in the future, like an assistant GM role or maybe doing stuff with player development, like with what uh, Patrick Marlowe's kind of in and doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if you gave it time and the Sharks were able to actually, you know, they come out of this rebuild and they've got their young pieces and they've got, now got a good team in place. It, it's not out of the question because I think, you know, Joe Thornton's a guy that, um, again, he's one of those guys that, he was so good because of his hockey sense and the way he sees the game and is able to read it, which I think is, is crucial to have in a coach. Um, and, and obviously he's well respected by basically everyone minus uh, David Perron and Peter Morazic. Um, So, I mean, it, it's possible. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not because again, it's just, you, you never want to go down that road of, having to fire Joe Thornton in San Jose type of thing. Right. So. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I was actually, I just opened up something. I, this is just random, uh, but we're kind of, we saw it with Tampa Bay with their new kind of uh, crossover at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, with their, their new alternate Jersey. Um, someone tweeted out and, and this isn't, you know, confirmed, but there's rumors that, um, with San Jose's new third jersey, it could have 30 stripes um, on the sleeve, Jeez. which I think would just be is, is a little, a little kind of extreme. <laughs> like 30 like is is quite a bit. Um, but like if they do that, it's it'd be maybe cool to see what something like that would would look like. Um, the last thing I got though before um, we, uh, I do I do just want to throw in quickly the. Um... They they do kind of uh, do a bit of a promotional stuff with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but uh, this isn't yeah. the first time Tampa Bay's done the uh, pirate themed jerseys. Just because uh, they do a lot of stuff for uh, Gasparilla, uh, which okay. is some. I believe there was a pirate whose last name was Gasparilla, who is famous in the Caribbean, and uh, I don't know if it was his birthday or a day he did something cool. But uh, yeah, they have like a big parade that's like all pirate themed, and I guess that's why they're. Football team is the oh, Buccaneers, okay. but yeah, they they make one every year. And uh, I think it something happened. Like they started celebrating it in Tampa Bay in like 1906, and so they made 1,906 of these jerseys, and that's cool. But you're an NHL team. Please make more than 2,000 jerseys. They sold out in like five minutes. They yeah. look so sick. And, like, not even a chance to get them. They sold out so fast. I really wish they would have uh, made more because they look really cool. Yeah. Um, The last thing before we just kind of hop into, like, what the the stats leaders are looking like before we hop off here. Um, Going back to the AHL, this is a a really interesting one because I I can't even remember seeing anything like this. Um, 
so the Syracuse Crunch were playing the Utica Comets the other night. <laughs> did you have you seen this? I, I did see this, yes. This is like nuts. Like so Syracuse was up uh, two one, um, nine and a half minutes through the first period. They had a five on three, and this was in the first period. Um, they decide to pull their goalie to make it a six on three in which Utica fires it all the way down the ice and into the empty net uh, to tie the game. Uh, bold, bold coaching strategy there to, to pull the goalie like that. This, this is shades of Sergei Fedorov in the uh, Russian league in the KHL. He's done things like this before. Um, yeah, they had, if you pull like, obviously pulling the goalies ludicrous in the first period, but a six on three, like, yeah. surely if you have possession, you can score on a six on three, right? So it's it's crazy, but it's crazy like a fox. And uh, maybe just because it's Syracuse, which is Tampa Bay's AHL team, uh, I kind of love it. It's It's so chaotic, but, like, John Cooper has pulled the goalie numerous times with, like, seven or eight minutes left if we're down by three goals and we really need to score. And I kind of love the unhinged coaching style. Is it smart? I would not say so, but something is really fun to watch the coaches be the one to be a little crazy sometimes. Oh, yeah. And uh, honestly, who knows if it would have worked because a six on three is fairly easy to score on. And uh, if you've seen the goal, the Guy has it down in the corner and horrible pass. He tries to go through a dude and it just hits him in the leg. And the guy just like backhand clears it wildly and it ends up going in the net and in the other end of the ice. Like, and he could have made, made three much more safe passes. So it's wild yeah. that he decided to go to the middle of the ice. But uh, I, I kind of dig the idea he was going for. Well, and it's one of those things, right, where if Syracuse scores and it's like, oh, the coach looks like a genius for pulling off this mastermind thing. It yeah. just so happens that it didn't, you know, it ended up with a goal against. So people are making fun of them, but it's like everyone would be hyping them up if if they pulled it off and it worked. So, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like you can't bash on because it's like we would be loving it if it worked out for him. It's just one of those interesting things that uh, you never really ever kind of see. Yeah, it's it's very rare that that kind of stuff happens, uh, especially in, you know, not even the NHL, but the AHL even like you don't see it much. If if you see something like this, generally it's in, you know, some some league in Europe you've never heard of. Um, yeah. So it was a very funny clip to to happen upon the other day. Yeah, for sure. Um, But I think that kind of wraps up everything we had. Um which means it is time for stats leaders. And bear in mind, when you do goals, add a three in there for Austin Matthews. Yep, I've been keeping a mental note. I keep refreshing it, and the page that I'm on is not refreshing, but I know each of the top players what they did tonight, and I'm going to adjust the numbers accordingly. Perfect. Let's dive right in. Um, and you know what? I'll explain the goalies when I get to it. Um, but, uh, for the stat leaders, as of the night of January 18th, uh, in first place for the, uh, league lead in points, we have Nikita Kucherov back on top with 75 points. 
And we have in second Nathan McKinnon with 73. And in third, we have David Posternock with, I believe, 64. I think he got a hat trick tonight. Oh, uh, did he? Yeah, there it is. Passing that guy. Oh, wow. I didn't even hear about that. Oh, there you go. So he's continuing uh, to, to rack up the goals still. Yeah. I'm, I've been expecting to see him show up on this goals list for a while. I'm surprised he hasn't yet. Um, for league leading goals, starting to run away with it, but not as much as you'd think. Uh, Austin Matthews in first, obviously, with 37 now. Uh, in second place, we got Sam Reinhart with 33. And in third, we got Nikita Kucherov with 28. Uh, in plus minus, we got a tie in first with a great defensive pair in Philip Ronick and Quinn Hughes, both at 33. Uh, it, tied for third, we got Dylan DeMello and Gustav Forsling with 28. And uh, I'm going all the way down to five just because it uh, shout out to Blake Coleman, a plus 24 on the Calgary Flames. Great yeah. job there. Yeah, that, um, that's very impressive. And then for... Also, Blake Coleman not getting like any power play time too, really. He's getting a lot of it done five on five. Yeah, he is, he is a beast five on five and really good uh, on the penalty kill as well. I'm not sure how much he plays the penalty kill in Calgary, but I know for Tampa Bay, he was phenomenal on the PK. Yeah. Um, and uh, I decided at some point that I don't want to do save percentage the way ESPN has it because uh, it's all backups. But I'm going to do uh, minimum games played, 21. That's a little under half the games most teams have played. So generally the starters will be showing up here. But also uh, we're going to look at the league leaders in goals saved above expected. Okay. Um, that uh, it's a little bit more of a off-the-board stat, but it's a bit more in-depth on who's really performing when their team is yeah. And uh, that definitely shows up in these numbers. Um, so in first, we got, uh, Connor Hellebuck with 20 and a half goals of saved above expected. Uh, in second, we got Thatcher Demko with 16.4. And then in third and fourth, we have Jacob Markstrom and Connor Ingram with 13.4 and 13.1 goals saved above expected. So stick taps to those goalies. They are absolutely keeping their teams in it. Yeah. And, you know, that one, too, Hellebuck and Demko, that makes a lot of sense with how their teams are right on yeah. top of the league. Yeah. They def yeah, that definitely is. Yeah. Is that uh, yeah. all the, the goalie stats? Uh, yeah, that's, that's everything. Uh, I'll just throw in a 3.9 goals saved above expected for one Capo Kakinen. Yeah. San Jose Sharks. Yeah, you know what? Actually, as bad as um, the Sharks have been, especially, well, not only offensively, but defensively, they've been getting very, very good goaltending. Um, despite the, I mean, the, and that's a thing, right? You see the, the straight up save percentage and goals against and the wins, and it's like, oh, they suck. But like their advanced stats are actually, are, are quite good can, when you consider what team they're on and, and what they've, they've got in front of them. Um, so, and and I think Kakinen is one of those guys that um it will will get moved at the deadline. And the way he's yeah. been playing, it'll be kind of interesting to see what the uh, I, hope, I hope they get a decent what, bid what for he him could get. 
he has been really good. Um, just for fun. Um, so Capo Kakinen, you'd assume he's not doing great. 899 save percentage. I'm going to list the five goalies below him in goals saved above expected. Andre Vasilevsky, Ilya Sorokin, Carter Hart, Alexander Gorgiev, and Jake Ottinger. Yeah. He has saved more goals above expected than all five of those guys. Like, yeah. Dude is put it, his save percentage starting with an eight does not do properly service uh, what he's doing for the Sharks right now. Yeah. Um, just one final thing before we hop out of here, because it, it's something I want to keep it on because I was, I was very kind of, um, stern on this because I did believe it was going to happen. And so I kind of want to keep it on it throughout the rest of the season to see, um, when we were talking about, yeah. uh, um, William Nylander, um, signing his extension. And I said, I said, you know, we've seen in the past where once guys sign that extension, their production dips a little bit. Um, so since signing his massive eight-year extension, his very first game after it played the San Jose Sharks, where he had three assists. So nothing crazy. Like Pat, Pat Maroon could do that. Well, Pat Maroon's a beast, but um, so not a great comparison. Um, but since then, no points against the Islanders. No points against Colorado, no points against Detroit, no points against Edmonton, and then he got two assists uh, tonight against Calgary. So, I mean, for a guy that was at least putting up well like a point like game. every game, he was all the well way above a point per game. So, many. I mean, and I don't even really want to include that San Jose game because that was a, a game in Toronto, and Toronto stomped San Jose seven one. Like it was a like anyone could have easily put up three assists in that game. But then it's interesting to see that, you know, he goes four games without, uh, without logging a, a single point in his shots. Like he was, he was still shooting. He was still getting lots of ice time. Um, and, and again, it's not like Nylander's a bad player. It's just always one of those things that it's I a, notice. It's a of five, when... four or five game sample, but it is interesting to take a look at considering how much he was producing. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing that. Like it's, it's like in every, like obviously every player goes through slumps. Like that's just part of the game, but it's just interesting that he didn't have a slump all year, but then it was as soon as he signed that deal, like you wonder if maybe, maybe he took his foot off the gas a little bit now that, you know, the, the contract is signed and he, he's, he's getting that, that money either way now, but yeah, I think, and he'll I, still I think it's hit a no hundred points. That he like, did take his foot off the gas a bit. Um, I think every player would really. Like every player's best seasons are their contract years. It feels like unless you're a well, McDavid and, or Crosby type guy. Yeah. Those guys never take their legitimately franchise potential players. Like they, a lot of these guys have their best years on the contract year and it, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see exactly how much in the rest of the season and next year, how much he uh, goes back down to his career average or, you know, does he bring it back in the next 10 games? Who knows? So we'll see uh, yeah. how good he plays from here on out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but with that, I think that kind of wraps up uh, everything we've got, right? Uh, yeah. Perfect. Well then, um, 
Thanks once again to everybody for listening to yet another episode of the Stick Em Up podcast. Uh, we upload, release episodes every Friday. Um, we sometimes throw out uh, random episodes here and there, depending on some crazy news. We might come out with one early in the next week. Maybe we'll do one um, kind of touching on uh, the All-Star game, the All-Star rosters and whatnot, now that we know the full rosters after the All-Star vote. and. Uh, Who's going to be partaking in the, the the new new and improved skills competition that they're doing? Um, maybe we'll sit down and uh, talk about that and give uh, give the All Star Game some love. Um, but if you want to join in on the conversations with us and whatnot, feel free to follow us on Twitter slash X. Um, I'm going to continue to call it that because it'll always be Twitter to me. Speaking oh, of yeah. which, if you're an avid um, Twitter or now X user. Go check out Elon Musk because he has been um, on a bit of a rampage and posting some pretty wacky stuff for the guy who owns the platform. So that should show you that you can <laughs> say whatever you want on there. So feel free to bash us as much as you want on there because it is approved. We're also on Instagram at SEU Hockey. You can find us on there. Um, and with that, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys uh, next week.